One of the things that John Dewey says in his 1938 little book, Experience and Education, where he contrasts what he calls traditional and progressive approaches, is that we are, as a species, perhaps as a result of culture, perhaps just as a result of temperament or our, the, the wiring of our brains, inclined to lurch from one extreme to the other so that we say, well, traditional education is not working, so let's become ultra-progressive. And we lurch from one to the other in the process to change the metaphor, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And in fact, this tendency to go for an either-or, to want to be on one side or other of a clear divide where one of us is right and the other is wrong, or one approach is right and the other is wrong, is of course exactly the kind of mistake that arises from the sort of oppositional thinking that I've been talking about in tribalism and believing that my tribe's right and your tribe's wrong. So if I happen to throw in my lot with the traditionalists, I will think that the progressives are wrong, and if I throw my lot in with the progressives, I will want to say that the traditionalists are wrong, and so we end up with this oppositional system, such as we have built into the architecture of the UK Houses of Parliament, where two sides sit opposite one another and hurl abuse, rather than trying to work together for the common good. Now, there is a point of view that says that that, I suppose you'd call it dialectical approach of one thing and then the other thing, and then trying to find a middle ground, is constructive and it can be but more often than not it results in a policy of mutually assured destruction where neither side ever really does the best because it's trying too hard to fight off the attacks of the opposition. Now if we take that seriously in the context of these little voice notes on unmaking sense it could act as quite a serious rebuke because we could say, well, just a minute, the sense that we make of the world isn't all wrong. And indeed, right at the beginning, in the introduction, I acknowledge that many of the things that we inherit from our predecessors give us an inestimable advantage by preventing us from having to start all over again, like most animals in most other species, if not all other species. So there is a, an advantage in inheriting and learning in our educational systems how the past has made sense of the world. And to avoid the Dewey, uh, the, the error that Dewey points out of lurching to the other extreme and saying that the world doesn't make any kind of sense at all and everything anybody's ever said and all that science has said and everything that mathematics has said and everything that culture wants us to believe, all of these things should be thrown out. That would, of course, be absurd. So we need instead to try to find an integrative approach where unmaking sense cautions us against too readily accepting what we've been told to believe. And in this short note, I'd like to give a particular example. I shared one of my episodes with some friends, 
and one of them, in the context of a series of comments, said, well, life isn't fair. And my response to that was, maybe not, but neither is it necessarily unfair. But the way we choose to interpret it will dictate whether we think it's fair or not. And that was a little bit of a light bulb going on moment, because I think that's really what all this has been about. Interwoven with previous episodes, there have been all kinds of remarks about Isaiah Berlin's point that we choose our goods and values. And what I've really been saying all along is that we choose how we make sense of the world. Of course, we don't entirely choose it, and that's part of the ambiguity. The way we make sense of the world isn't entirely within our control. We are educated, we are raised by our parents, by our societies, by our families, by our schooling systems, by our cultures, by our political, economic and other systems, our religious systems, our philosophical systems, our scientific systems, all of this brings to bear upon us a set of ways in which our predecessors and our contemporaries have chosen, for very good reasons usually, to make sense of the world. You'll also remember that one of the central themes of pragmatism in its purse James Dewey incarnations is a very strong rejection of the notion that there is an absolute external authority to which we owe allegiance and to which we owe obedience and out of which we need to understand our situation. That kind of metaphysics, the metaphysics of God or nature or science or truth or the eternal forms that we inherited from the Greeks or even of the soul that guarantees that we will always be the same. All of that, at least according to pragmatism, and I very much agree with it in this context, seems to be a way of making sense of the world that actually is not very helpful. Or if it's helpful, it leads to a certain set of interpretations of the world, all of which appear to have been foisted on us, whether we like it or not, by our education, which is, of course, in this respect, just an instrument of our culture. And even if we've been to uh, very right-wing or very left-wing schools, I think it's possible to see that the undercurrents of both those schools, because they're following a curriculum that's dictated by a political system that exists within a particular kind of culture, all of those things are still really sharing the common assumptions of a particular way of making sense of the world. So, by advocating that we unmake sense, I'm trying to say, let's at least give ourselves the space that arises from sitting back and saying, do we really want to be told how to make sense of the world? And just take the example of the remark that my colleague friend made, that life isn't fair. Now, a lot of us will say that. A lot of us will say life is tragic. A lot of us will say life isn't fair. A lot of us will say it isn't, it isn't just. 
um, people will point to all kinds of defects in their society, and it doesn't matter what kind of society. It could be capitalist, it could be communist, it could be Marxist-Leninist, it could be democratic, it could be liberal. It doesn't matter. Someone's always going to be pointing the finger at something or probably someone, and either saying that's far from being perfect and that person is far from being incorruptible or that they're incompetent or that they're self-interested, or you name it. We all do this all the time and it's a kind of part of the human game that we're pointing the finger and laying blame for something almost all the time. Why? Well, I think that the, the key point here is that the pragmatic insistence that we do not allow ourselves, as you might say, to have the way we make sense of the world foisted on us, dictated to us by an assumption of some kind of external absolute authority, whether it be God, the church, a philosophical system, science, mathematics, a historical view of the world, a political philosophy, an economic theory, all of these things that we should always say, all right, this is a version, this is one of the ways in which we can make sense of the world, this is one of the ways in which we have been helped to make sense of the world by the things that we've inherited from our predecessors, but it doesn't come, as you might say, like Paddington Bear, with a label around its neck saying absolute truth and that we have no choice, no alternative but to accept it. And that goes for whether we are members of Western liberal democracies, Marxist, Leninist, totalitarian, authoritarian states, or whether we are members of monarchies or republics or whatever it might be, all of them have preferred ways of making sense of the world that, through their education system, through their culture, through the values that are embedded in their families, in their societies, locally and nationally, and even in the way parents bring up their children with certain moral values and certain assumptions about what life's all about and what constitutes, here's the big word, success... All of these things actually are external sets of ways of making sense of the world. And Isaiah Berlin's point is that we choose them. They are not forced upon us. They may well be used as a means of force. I mean, we may feel under enormous pressure not to say even under threat, if we in certain circumstances, in certain situations, in certain political systems, shall we say, rebel against them. Because they are imposed upon us, but the fact that something is imposed upon us doesn't mean that it is unarguable. It just means that there is a risk attendant on denying it on refusing to be bullied into taking it. And that goes just the same for so-called Western liberal democracies as it does for autocracies or monarchies. We always have a choice. And one of the things that Sartre tells us is that the denial of that choice 
denial of the fact that when we act, we act in our own power is what he calls bad faith. That we are actually pretending that we don't have a choice when in fact we do. And that's one of the ways that we try and get rid of our moral responsibility by saying, oh, I didn't have any choice. I had to do it. We never have to do it. It's just that sometimes, and for good reason, let's not be under any illusions, we feel obliged to do something because the cost of refusing to do it is incalculable. For example, medieval torture chambers or being burnt at the stake or all sorts of other horrible things that have happened where one person or one group of people have stood up against some kind of oppressive regime trying to tell it, them, he, she, how to make sense of the world. So the point here, the real point here is that whatever anybody says, the reality is that we're free to choose. We may not be free to choose with exemption from the consequences of choosing, but that doesn't alter the fact that we're free to choose. We're free to choose how to make sense of the world, whether to make sense of the world, and certainly whether to make sense of the world the way we are being told to make sense of it, which includes sharing certain sets of goods and values that other people have chosen, that our culture may well have educated us to believe are right and indeed the only ones that are right, going back to the thing about God and the way we project our tribe's values onto the universe, if we first come to terms with the fact that that simply isn't so, that there simply are no absolute, incontrovertible, undeniable ways of making sense, including those given us by science, including even those given us by mathematics, and certainly those given us by political, economic, philosophical and religious theories of the way to make sense of the world, we've actually taken at least a first step in the direction of genuine freedom. <laughs>